it's time for the Film Crickets with Jay Fortier and Chris Martino. On this week's episode, Jay and Chris are joined by co-host from the podcast, Who's Your Band? Comedian Sean Martin. Jay, Chris, and Sean review the 1986 American coming-of-age story, Stand By Me. Does it stand the test of time? Let's find out. Your film crickets are on now. All right. Hey, friends. My name is Jay Fortier. I'm along with my good friend, Chris Martineau. What's going on, gentlemen? Yeah, doing all right. Yeah, right. Now, we got, let me introduce. We got uh, Sean Morton. He is a stand-up comic, and he's also co-host of a podcast called Who's Your Band? Welcome, man. Thank you, sir. I'm very happy to be here today. Nice. And uh, today he selected the uh, the movie Stand By Me. And uh, so we're going to, in fact, actually, I seen I saw it twice this month because we, we uh, he was scheduled to be here uh, like a couple, like about a month ago. And then he ended up. Yeah, no, uh, it's like 2017. We've been trying to get this thing done since. <laughs> I feel like we've had to reschedule and cancel like 19 times for stupid reason. <laughs> right. So like I watched it actually at the beginning of the month. And then uh, we couldn't do it. And then so I, I was like, well, I've only seen it like a few times. So I wanted to make sure at least it was fresh. So I had to watch right. it again this weekend. So, um, I, and you so. know, to watch a movie twice, uh, and, and I'll, I'll bring it up after, um, this comes in at a brisk 100 and, uh, one hour and 28 minutes. That's crazy. That's just like just under feature length. I, I didn't re- realize because I used to watch this movie a lot. And... Um, back in the day which was a tuesday but i used to watch this a lot and and i didn't know like it didn't it doesn't feel short it doesn't feel like a long movie but it doesn't feel like it's under 90 minutes like that's crazy um so that was interesting to to see but i think it gets the job done that's just that's just just that's just how i think sean why this movie well my original one that i wanted to do was my all-time favorite movie was planes trains automobiles oh all right, because I have seen I have seen that movie without even exaggerating probably six to seven hundred times. Jesus <laughs> wow. Christ! Favorite movie of all time. It just you know it's got a lot of uh, sentimental reasons for it too. But I've seen this movie a lot too, and I di- I didn't rewatch it because it's kind of still kind of fresh in my head for the amount of times that I've watched it over the years. Uh, it's a great movie for me, and uh, it's also written by my favorite writer Stephen King. Sure. So that that's one of the reasons. I'm glad why you brought that up because I do see. Um... In terms of a King story, it's got, even if you didn't know, this thing reeks of Stephen King. And I don't mean reeks like vomit. I mean, and I mean the blueberry pie eating contest, but it's got, it's got his hallmarks all over it. Uh, and, and it, 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 it's rare that you have a screenplay that so mimics, um, Stephen King's style. Uh, so I definitely want to bring that up later. So, so Sean, you're saying you, this was a formative movie for you. Uh, that you liked it. Uh, when was the last time? So I often open with this. Uh, when was the last time you actually watched this movie? It seems like you you said it's not you, it's fresh in your head, so you didn't watch it like yesterday. To- no, a couple months ago. Okay, all right. It's one of those movies. Like I have a list of movies that if it's on television, life stops, and then you just start <laughs> watching it. And this is on the short list. All right, and it was on Netflix. Thank, thankfully, I know uh, that was nice not to rent one. I'm just saying, in the sense, I don't have to like respend money on it. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean? Like when I've already watched it already a month ago. Yeah. Um, uh, well, you maybe know, we're like, gonna have Sean on again next month, and we talk Stand by Me again. Maybe we should yeah. reschedule right now. <laughs> it's um, Groundhog Day. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me get let me get COVID again. I'm gonna get COVID right now again, so we can oh. just stop. <laughs> 
Jason, when was the last time you saw this movie? Prior to last month. Yep. Uh, and last night, or like over the weekend. I don't know. Uh, over 10 years. No, no. That's cool. So, yeah, like, is this something that, like, would come on in the... So, you guys are saying, like, I've never seen this on television. I'd only saw it once prior. So okay. Like, All right. This is my third viewing. I was... I will say, I hadn't seen this movie. And this is a reason... I know it's a dumb question, but I just love asking it because there's a lot of reasons that we don't see a movie that we like or don't like or whatever for a, lo- a long time, right? So this was one of mine that my grandmother had pirated. So my grandmother um, is a is a long-known video pirate, had a large collection in her uh, video pirate. She, just dubbed, she dubbed videotapes back in the day, right? <laughs> so, so she wouldn't have to rent it more than one. Oh, yeah. She had four VCRs in her house. Both double, both dubbing two movies at the same time. All right, so that was crazy. So can I jump in quick and say something? Because I, I used to do this in, in high school, because I was always like the the bigger kid, and I always looked a lot older. So I would go to Blockbuster and I would rent a VCR back in the day when Blockbuster used to do that, and then I would go to the other video store and rent like four porno tapes, and then what I would do <laughs> is I would dub four tapes onto an eight hour video, and I went to an all boys high school. So like I was I was selling for like a hundred hundred fifty a pop. <laughs> I made more money in high school in sophomore year than I did from like twenty to twenty five. It was insane. That is uh, yeah. That is <laughs> how come all of a sudden he can pay for his tuition yeah. <laughs> exactly. by himself? Yeah. <laughs> like the parents are like, wait a minute, what what do you mean we don't need to pay? <laughs> Mom, Dad, don't worry. I'm not cooking meth in the backyard in a trailer. I'm simply selling pirated pornography. Oh, good. Great. <laughs> well, thank, thank the goodness. Lord. I'm starting to get worried. Was it, what, question, was it a Catholic uh, all school? Just, a Jesuit all boys high school. Double thumbs up. Fantastic. That makes it even crazier. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, wow. Wow. Uh, so I, needless to say, it was only for the family. So she would just dub tapes for the family. So we wouldn't have it. So anyway, so... So that was part of my my movie upbringing, and and for whatever reason, I had all these other things in my stable. I like Star Wars and Raiders and and all that stuff and sci fi, but I kept going back to Stand by Me. Like I don't know, I would watch it, and then I go to my friend's house and like, hey, let's watch Stand by Me. I, I don't know what the deal was. Like I was into the soundtrack, even though it's totally not like I was a metal guy, but suddenly like all these fifty songs. So, and I'm gonna bring this up later. What was interesting is that. And I want to see what you guys think about this once we get into the movie. But when I watched it as a kid, which again, I would be around the age of the four characters, a little older, but in same general age. Um, I thought it was cool for one reason, but the adult themes, the coming of age stuff kind of blew right past me. I knew it was there, but I didn't understand it. And then when I finally watched on this last night was the first time I watched it since I don't know the early '90s. It had it had more meaning now than it did then because now I'm an adult and I can look back. Before I just thought the kids were cool because they were smoking and all that stuff. But now, like, I didn't realize you kind of had a hint that there was an allegory. But now you really like as an older person, you're like you understand that this whole thing is an allegory about leaving the past behind and then having to go forward into the future. So. I want to thank you, Sean. This was an interesting rewatch. So if this is your fault, I appreciate it. Um, so uh, so let's let's get into it. All right, let's let's unpack it. Um, I'm going to do the, the rundown. I'm going to do the one the IMD uh, DB one sentence breakdown. Try to encapsulate this this movie in one sentence. So we've got Stand by Me, 
Uh, came out in 1986, rated RRR, 1 hour 29 minutes, just under feature length by one minute. The synopsis is as follows. After the death of one of his friends, a writer recounts a childhood journey with his friends to find the body of a missing boy. Uh, directed by all-star Rob Reiner. Uh, as mentioned previously, the writer uh, of this movie was based on a novella, The Body by Stephen King. Adapted for the screen by uh, Reynold, Reynold, huh, that's a name, uh, Gideon, and Bruce Evans. Starring Will Wheaton, River Phoenix, Corey Feldman, Jerry O'Connell. God, he's so yummy now. Who'd have thought? Uh, Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> he's yummy. Come on now. I know, I know. He, as I'm a straight just, man, no, I, can, like... I can recognize the fact the man's yummy. And it was not quite so yummy back in the day. <laughs> um, and, of course, a host of other people. Hey, you know what's really funny? Uh, John Cusack's in this movie twice. Uh, my man Richard Dreyfuss is in this movie as the writer. But, obviously, it's Will Wheaton. And if you look at, I don't know if you can, but under IMDb right now. The, <laughs> I'm sorry. The actor's name is Scott Beach. And it says he plays Mayor Grundy. Okay, I guess that was the guy in the in the blueberry pie eating contest. But if right. you look at IMDb, it's a picture of a stormtrooper. <laughs> it's so funny. I didn't know. <laughs> Anyhow, it's just weird to see a stormtrooper. Anywho, so we got um get a bunch of a bunch of bunch of big people in this movie, and some of them uh, in their formative years, and some of them well established. So, uh, so let's get into it. So, Will Wheaton. What I want. What I'm wondering about. Uh, could they get? I'll start it with this. Can they get skinnier children actors? Just wondering. Besides Jerry O'Connell, well, he was what a chubby is, little. Uh, what? He was a chubby little prick in the movie. Yeah, he, he was. But like the other three, I mean, Will Wheaton. I mean, eat a sandwich. Holy smokes! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I I agree with that. I was not the. See, I never identify with any one of them because like, I was always a chubby kid. So well, I never, I never like felt any kinship towards him for any reason. <laughs> I was more of a, yeah, I was more of a, a Vern fan than anything. Vern is, a, so so they have their little club, right? So these four guys have their little club. And it's, um. so how would you guys describe, like, each guy is, has his own thing, has his own deal. So what do you think? Right. So what's what's their deal? Sean, I'll start with you. Like, what's, what's each kid's deal? So Gordy is obviously, like, the leader mm -hmm. and the smart one. You would say Vern is kind of like the the doofus. Mm -hmm. If you think, you know, everybody has one of those in their in their group. Uh, Chris is kind of like the quiet, mysterious one that, you know, is like one of those like kind of not evil geniuses, but very underrated. Mm -hmm. And then Teddy is just a, a, a lunatic because he has a horrible home life. Mm -hmm. So I think you kind of, you know, when you, if you look back, you kind of see that there's a lot of. Uh, people in your pri in your previous life, like when you were a kid, that did match a lot of those mm -hmm. kind of, uh, I guess, character traits. Right. I, I find it I find it interesting in that I think all of them but Vern has a horrible home life. I think Vern yeah. is just Vern is just Vern. You can tell because he's the most immature of the four of them. He's the one that gets picked on a lot. He's the one that gets like two for flinching. He's the one that's kind of like, oh, he's always kind of like straggling behind, trying to keep up with the cool kids. I dare say that I think that Chris and Gordy are the co-leaders. And I think Chris is the one that is, even though, and this is the weird part, this is the stuff I've only picked up as an adult. I think Chris is, he's the moral compass of the group, 
even though it seems like he's the biggest troublemaker, but he's not. Very misunderstood. Yes, that's what I mean. Like, they just, everyone assumes he's a dirtbag because of his father and because of his his, his brother, one-eyed, whatever. What, what was his nickname? What was his brother's nickname? I don't remember. Eyes something, because he's in the it gang. Was- like one eye, I believe. One eye, yeah. Cause- yeah, you could you could see the uh, little uh, scar there around his right. eye. Right. So, so I think it's interesting because I think of of all of them, he's the one. He's kind of the 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 heart of the whole group, whereas Gordon might be the the brains of the whole group. But it's interesting to me. Of but of all of them, uh, Feldman has the biggest problems. Right. Oh, yeah. Because he's he- nuts. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a lot. I think it's also over exaggerated too in sure. the movie. What do I you mean? It's very, 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 he his character is very over exaggerated. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like he has the the home issues, but like he really overplayed it. Okay. To them. So you're saying the acting is overplayed? No, no. I oh. mean like the actual like him as the person in the show in, in the movie is actually like kind of overplayed a little bit. I think he's making it a lot worse than he really was. Okay. In a weird way. All right. I mean, even though he was screwed up in, of, of all of them, I think. Yeah. I think he kind of played into it a little more. Okay. So, so like, for attention? Yes. Okay. Exactly. All right. Yeah, well, he obviously needs attention, right? Because, his, well, his dad, who tried to kill him, um, is in some, I guess, some mental institution somewhere. Because he has, uh, it's alluded that he has PTSD because he stormed the beach in Normandy. So, he's very right. proud of his dad, but his dad tried to basically burn, burn his, his face off. Yeah, stick his face to the stove oh, that's pretty his parents haven't done that ah well you know not, not that anything well, no one know. can I see that stuff but what's interesting and, and i think sean i think it's interesting that he does overplay it for attention but all these kids have their own troubles but they're they attack it from a kid's point of view so this is what i mean by that gordon thinks his parents hate him because his brother died so john cusack is his older brother he's his mentor um, the, uh, Gordon's dad is kind of aloof. He's like a typical '50s dad. He doesn't, you know, dads now and dads then are not the same thing. Like they don't emote, they don't right. tell you what's wrong. They just kind of come home. They're the breadwinner. They they read the newspaper. They go to bed. They get up the next day and do the same thing. And mom stays at home and washes the clothes and all that stuff. And that was the that was the culture and that was the family unit back then. What to me is interesting is that Will thinks his father hates him. Because that's what a kid thinks. Once, once Will's, Will, sorry, Gordon's uh, brother, John Cusack, dies, his mother and father become absolutely, even if completely emotionally shut off because they're just in shock that their brother died. So Will thinks that they must hate me because they don't care about me at all. They're not giving me any attention that I would want. So he translates that into he, they hate me. And, and I know his father never openly says it should have been you. He has a dream where his father says it should have been you that died, right? And correct me if I'm wrong. Right. No, you're right. And, and if you notice one thing, I don't know if you guys have watched either of these uh, you know, things on TV, but the same thing happens in Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash movie. And it also happens in the new HBO series, Peacemaker, where the father is saying to them, I wish it was you that died. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm kind of like saying this is like sloppy writing. Like, just watch Stand By Me. They already did this once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now they're doing it three times. It's like going to the, it's like going to the well too many times. Right. Well, but they're going. Well, at least it was 1986. Right. So I do. I remember that from Walk the Line. The guy from the X-Files was the father. And, yep. and you just, so my, my thing is that because they're so immature, they're projecting this, this idea, right? Because nobody ever said that, but you're not going to convince that kid because that's how he feels. 
The same with the with the Christian kid with 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 River Phoenix. Like no one said you were a dirtbag. It's just that that's how people kind of act around you. So that's what you're then going to emulate, even though he was screwed by the lady that stole the milk money. But though, yes, his father, uh, um, Gordy's father didn't get him at all. Like meaning the when when the brother was still alive, Mm -hmm. he couldn't give a shit that he wrote a story right because all he cared about was how the, the brother was you know and so it's like that is the the feeling he has about how his dad feels about him is not just after the the brother dies oh yeah i, I understand yeah i i understand where you're you're coming from but i maintain and this is just my thesis i maintain that yeah okay his dad's more interested in football because his dad doesn't know anything about writing Right, because he's a '50s dad, he doesn't know anything about writing short stories. So while his dad, maybe he does care, he just doesn't know how to react to it. That doesn't make him a bad person. It just makes him a dad. No, from I'm the just fi- saying no, this no. is where he's getting his impro- right, info. Right, that's what I'm saying. So he is the the kid is is making that leap where well he doesn't give a shit about me. Nobody ever said that, but I just think it's interesting because we're looking at the and my point is we're looking at this movie from a ch- from a children's lens, right? And even though they're trying to be older, we're looking at it through a children's lens, just like sick balls. Like that never happened. What's the, the what, chomper, right? Chopper, 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 right? He never sicked balls ever, <laughs> right? <laughs> but that's just what the, the legends are true. What we feel is the truth. Even though the junkyard guy, he's just pissed at them because kids are going through his, his yard. He's never like you. The kids probably think like this junkyard guy has had children murdered that have gone through his yard but that hasn't happened he just doesn't want you know i don't want kids on my property get the hell out of here but that's just me i don't know am i am i nuts or am i too much into this but if you're watching it on tvs or amc it's chopper sick hand oh that's (laughs) too bad i can't watch them i can't watch these kind of movies on regular basic cable because it's like it's they they do this the horrible overdubbing on all these movies and it's so simple i mean you can't say the word balls for Mm -hmm. christ's sake come on it's 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 2022 and they're (laughs) still you know it's like you watch a breakfast club hey man flip you (laughs) (laughs) you in my entire life i'm sorry it's never happened in my life I think, how did they get away with wow. snakes on a plane? Did they ever attempt snakes? I am tired of these mother-flipping snakes on this mother-flipping <laughs> plane. All right, fair yeah. enough. Okay. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> pulp Fiction would be fun. I think I've I, I think I've attempted a Pulp Fiction. I think I've seen a, an attempt at that. Yeah, wow. it's not good. It's not good. It's not good at all. It's no, not good. it's like it cuts it down from like a three-hour movie to like an hour and 15 minutes, number one, mm-hmm. because there's so many scenes that you can't show. Obviously, yeah. you can't show the, the one sexy scene, you know, yeah. from the from the pawn shop. You know? Yeah, that was, <laughs> I know. That, that's that's hot. Let me tell yeah, you. No. Nothing like a gimp. Can't even see the wallet. Oh, yeah, you can't see the wallet. Yeah. That, that's mother- true, right? That's right. Um, <laughs> which, what's the, which wallet is yours? One says bad motherfucker. Uh, all right, so, so back to the movie. So the whole point is that these kids who at the beginning of the movie all hang out in a treehouse and they have their stupid little sayings that they say to each other and they're four boys that either treat each other badly but it's fun or they treat each Mm -hmm. other with respect and it's fun or they legit beat the crap out of each other because they get angry at each other. These four guys are tight. But still, they're in grade school. So we're talking sixth grade 
right? Yeah, and they're in and they're in their little treehouse smoking cigarettes that they stole because that's that's what makes them cool and playing card games and whatever the case may be. And then we start the thing rolling because Vern says he want to go see a dead body because due to some information that he got from up, I don't know his brother or under his porch, whatever the case may be. So the whole movie is a trek. It's not a hero's journey. It's a journey of discovery. It's a coming of age movie. And the whole point is we're going to get to this body. Why, if you were a child, would you really go to look for, like, are they going to see the dead body because they're curious about a dead body? Or is it that they think they're going to be famous because they found the dead body? Like, what's more important? I, I think it's I think it's partly because of location, too, if you think about okay. it. Because, like, I'm 45, and I grew up in New Jersey my entire life. So I'm never going to look for a body, mm-hmm. ever. But because I was living in a city, number one. So these guys are living in, I think it was in Oregon. Yep. And like, in like the woods of Oregon, uh, you ain't got much to do. Yeah. So I think that's kind of why they went on that whole goose chase. Okay. Kids don't always recognize um, the severity or the weight of a situation. Even though you hear the words, doesn't mean you get it. Mm-hmm, sure. Like you hear dead body. And, you know, like that might sound kind of like fun to go do mm-hmm. at first because they're just not understanding the actual weight of the situation. You mm-hmm. know, it doesn't make sense to them the way it would make sense to us. Like, holy shit. No, call the cops. Yeah. Get somebody down there. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a viewing thing. But like I said, I don't think they they because as they're going, um, you got. Gordy, who said it was like, you know, maybe we shouldn't feel too good about this, you know, type, mm-hmm. you know, so he, they're, they're slowly getting it, but it's just not all like that. Yeah. But, but Gordy eventually, he says he is obsessed with the idea, like that nothing was going to turn him back, even if the other, but he's said, also dealing with his brother. Right. So, um, there might have been some sort of weird, like, I got to face this, this fear. It, or, or that could be too. Yeah. And no, that, that's, that's what I keyed in on that as a kid, I wouldn't have understood, but now I do having like, we all been through adult things is that, that Gordy was because of his father, because he his father does not give him because of who his dad is he's not a bad person um like the other like like Corey feldman's dad is a bad person right um probably right but anyway the bottom line is that gordy doesn't even know why he needs to see the body until he gets there but why he needs to see the body is the body is his moment to grieve he's never been allowed to grieve his brother because it's almost like his dad would not allow him to grieve his brother because his dad and his mother it seemingly are in such shock that they are not openly grieving that's all we see right we that's what we see or at least that's what we see through gordy's eyes that his mother and father don't know what to do therefore he does not know what to do emotionally with the fact that his brother died uh and the guilt that goes along with that or the guilt that maybe maybe he's envious of his envious of his brother maybe deep down he's like well now that my brother's out of the way maybe i can finally get some attention like we don't know i'm, I'm making all that shit up but i'm just saying like that's a possibility but he's not allowed to process any of it and so for him the body is an allegory it's a symbol of finally i can look my brother in the eyes even though it's not his brother dead and finally say all this stuff in front of people i'm secure around or comfortable with and that's chris chambers that's why i say chris chambers is kind of like the moral compass or the the rock that everybody can hang their shit on because chris can take it right chris can take everybody's baggage which is why he's so goddamn important in the movie right he's kind of like an empath of the four sure absolutely he can deal with it 
Like, lay it all on me. I can handle it. You guys can't, and that's fine. Because we're tight, I can I can handle it. He uh, throws out uh, a vibe of where he is, like, he's almost like he's experienced a little more life than everybody else, the, mm-hmm. way, the way he comes off. But it's not in any way, shape, or form, like, in, in the way of saying, like, I'm better than you, I'm, you know, like, I, I know everything. It's more like... You know, like you, you look to him for that uh, security or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like the way he is projecting himself out there. It's not like a, it's not like the, the guy that's in charge that's like a douche. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, he may be troubled in some way, but he's also like, you know, he, he cares. Like you had said, empath. Well, let's, you know, um, let's, let's, like, let's, it's a different movie, but let's look at like what Will Hunting was in Good Will Hunting, right? The reason that Will, that Will Hunting had his other two friends that were meatheads is because, they all care about each other and they will they will do whatever they can for each other, right? Because they don't have families of their own. Like Will Hunting didn't have a family. His dad beat him with a belt, right? So he didn't have a family. So that's why he he held on to his group. And I think Chris Chambers is the same thing, right? Like I will my family is not my blood family. My brother my brother is in this gang. Um you know, my father doesn't pay any attention to me. I don't know if they ever say anything about his mother, but like he basically has no regard for his, his family unit at all. But he does have high regard for his family unit in the treehouse and he will do whatever he can. In fact, when he sits with Gordon at the end, he gives him the little like when they have the talk, you know, and they and they start to emote to each other. He gives him the like the, you know, armor on the shoulder like a dad would. Yeah. Right, a little bit, right? So he's a little more mature emotionally than the other guys are, um, but he still thinks like it's cool to steal a forty-five. Yeah, <laughs> like he's twelve, but like in in theory, he's like seventeen or eighteen. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had a lot more life experience than the other ones did. Yeah, but he still does goofy shit, just like like a kid, because he's a kid. I think it's really hysterical that we have. So we haven't talked about Kiefer Sutherland yet. We haven't talked about the other gang of kids, the seventeen year, eighteen year olds. Um, that our actual Kiefer Sutherland's a sociopath in this movie. I mean, he's, right. I don't know that he's, he's insane, not like Feldman, but he's insane because he's a sociopath and has no regard for anybody's human life. Sean, I ask you, what did Stephen, how did Stephen King regard older teenagers in the 50s? Because they're all terrible. Like, yeah. what is that? <laughs> like, all like, of them are horrible people. Yeah, he he went a completely opposite of like Happy Days. Like Happy Days is like they're all mm-hmm. these goofy little wear my varsity sweaters yeah. and you know trying to go to the social with the girls and stuff. And these guys are like literally bringing out guns and bashing mailboxes with mm-hmm. with bats and you know playing chicken on the road and stuff like that. He went very dark. Yeah, with the older kids, very very dark. But he does the same thing in it. He does. He I can't think of another one. Like there's a couple of them. Where it's just these these fifties teenagers are just miserable um i don't know christine. what, what was, christine yeah well that's the 70s but still yeah like these teenagers are just horrible carrie carrie the teenagers are horrible to each other like what is happening what happened with him in high school that it's that bad but i uh, i only say that to dovetail into the following this gang with that's led by Kiefer sutherland and has chris chambers uh brother in and a bunch of other knuckle dragon ne'er-do-wells are in the middle of a field with farm equipment. They're giving themselves tattoos with razor blades. And the music that they listen to is... Them. It's like, I know metal didn't exist, but lollipop? I mean, come on. Like, that's what they're... I know that's what's on the radio. It's just yeah, so funny. That there. Like, that's as badass as you got. 
is is lollipop. I thought it was just great. I don't know. I think it's actually a really cool thing they did that. Okay, why is that? They kind of show, well, because lollipop is like such a really up, like kind of upbeat. Yeah simple basic song i mean they didn't have a lot of that really deep dark music yet no of course until, not until you know maybe eight or ten years later when right. sabbath comes along but i think it was a cool play on it actually mm -hmm. like they're doing these horrible things and then like here's you know look at reservoir dogs sure right yeah seeing where they're cutting the guy's ear off and they're playing stuck in the middle with you yeah which is like a happy fun song you picture driving around in the 70s too and then mm -hmm. they commit this horrible crime too yeah you know okay but it's kind of like being in the yang i think all right that's cool no that's cool I, I i'm not saying like they need to pull up tarantino and put a david bowie song in inglorious bastards in the 40s like i'm not saying that i'm saying it's appropriate i just think it's hysterical like it's it's really hard to pay I, I, I did not get the vibe of the juxtaposition like you did. Now I see that. That's kind of cool. But it's just funny. I have these guys in leather jackets like, come on, let's go play mailbox baseball. Let's crank up, you know, this doo-wop group. Like, what the fuck? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's and, as badass well, as you got, huh? <laughs> well, and they would show the opposite that the, the other kids, the original kids that were following on mm -hmm. the on the tracks, like bopping along, like, you know, like to the yeah. same song. Because it's like... Whatever that DJ is, he's like the second narrator. Yes. You know what I mean? Like he's mm -hmm. not he's not Richard Dreyfus, but he's like the guy present um that, you know, in, in that time that's like, you know, you hear him from time to time. That's it's probably the only thing worth listening to for anybody of a young age. Like yeah. The parents are probably listening to the instrumental shit on a oh, different yeah. station and calling the lollipop stuff like metal. Sure. The devil, devil, devil music. music, yeah, yeah. That's why everybody reacts to. There was a the spoof movie uh, for uh, Walk the Line that uh, that had oh, uh, Dewey Cox. Yes. Oh, um, I never saw that. They they did a song like "Take My Hand," and all the people are in the audience beating the shit out of each other because they're just going <laughs> completely nuts. It's a, it's almost like um, I want to hold your hand, but like you know something very very mild. <laughs> everybody's going nuts so it's like you know what i mean like yeah. nobody had it yet so mm -hmm. like everything to the the parents was crazy so mm -hmm. no matter what age i guess if you were young it was cool yeah yeah that's true i i just wonder like kiefer sutherland is just oh god well i, I want to get to a point about him um Go ahead. I, we could we, you know it, obviously this the movie's old so we don't have to worry about spoilers if you haven't seen it and you've listened this far yeah. deal with it yeah um, there's a dead body in case you're right you know, there's a dead spoiler body. alert yeah but there's a point where they all go and look for the body and they all show up maybe like the the older kids show up uh maybe about like two minutes after the young kids they all want to you know basically report the body whatever the older kids looking more for uh recognition like you know like saying hey we found him you know the mm -hmm. one that's missing you know pay attention to us but you know, we've already established earlier in the film that Ace, the Kiefer Sutherland character, is a psycho. Mm -hmm. uh, he it took River Phoenix's character, Chris, you know, smashed his face down into the ground, was about to burn him with a cigarette. Crazy douchebag. And uh, they stole he, his uh, brother's hat. Right. Uh, stole Gordy's hat, which would belong yeah. to his brother. And middle of on their way over to find the body, uh, they they play chicken like you know they're racing each other but uh, Ace's car is in line with a truck and he doesn't even flinch the fact that he's gonna you know ram this guy or the guy's gonna have to go off the road which by mm -hmm. the way 
you know, I know it's a movie, so we're going to have fun while, you know, we're going to make it like that. But in real life, if you're driving logs and you see two sets of cars, mm-hmm. you have plenty of time. Slow the fuck down. Pull yep. over a little bit. Don't yep. wait till the logs are flying off the back of the truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? So, but here's the thing. You agree, both of you, that Ace is a like a real actual badass in the sense of uh, like a real tough type of guy that is not a fake tough guy right i mean yeah i mean he cory feldman i don't think would ever kill anybody he's he's the next craziest person but he mm. more has a death wish um, yeah but, he would kill himself before you kill anybody else correct and so therefore keith sutherland is would easily we believe would just kill anybody and whatever right so hide the body crazy yep. yeah but an actual like you know person who is severely uh you know he was a he's a tough guy in the mm-hmm. sense that not um when he gets a gun put on him by uh gordy because like yeah. they still had that gun on them and as he was pulling a knife uh Kiefer sutherland's character um pulls a knife and goes uh to you know hurt chris he says you know that's when the gun goes off and he's holding the uh the uh, gordy's holding the gun on Kiefer sutherland Kiefer Sutherland, uh, I know it's not him, but Ace does not yep. flinch in the sense of he flinches because he sees a gun, but he's not panicking. He's not blubbering mm-hmm. and acting like a fake badass. So yep. my point being, and he walks away, he says, I'm never going to forget this. They never tell you any aspect of him trying to come after him because that would be something he would do. Oh, yeah. All right. Like, And I, I couldn't understand how they would not at least address it they go well you know he they didn't say anything of the sort i thought that was kind of a miss there like i mean they didn't say so like, he you know he really respected me for pulling a gun on him you know type of thing mm-hmm. and that's why he never messed with me again he never tried to get us there was never anything all because, right i don't know yeah, I just, they do that after it they have a thing at the end of the movie where they say you know Vern raised a bunch of kids and now he does a, a boring job and Corey right. Feldman never made it out of town, and Chris go became the, a lawyer, uh, and blah, 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 and I became a writer. But yeah, they never do talk about the gang. And that, well, wouldn't that be something that he would have taken revenge on the kids for? Or or it's something that Stephen King, typically is, is a King thing that would happen would be, you know, he'd say something along like, Ace gave us some trouble, but eventually he moved. Like, Stephen King would remove him from the equation in a horrible way. Like... Later that summer, when he drove off a bridge or his father drank too much and whatever, like if King, yeah, you're right. They, that is kind of a mess. And I'm not knocking it down. I'm just it. saying I just kept waiting no, for that okay. moment. <laughs> yeah, will, Sean, Sean, what do you think? Yeah, it was. I understand what you're saying. It's kind of like a complete drop off. It's like here's these people who are a, a real plot line in the movie, and then boom, it's done. Yeah, like then you. Hear about it again. Very. It's a little weird. I, I will agree with that. It's a little weird about that. They, that that is a loose end. I never really kind of thought of that, and, and very unking like because he usually would. He would. He would. Uh, around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Though he didn't. Ah. Ri- he didn't write this part. Like I mean, of the film. Like he didn't write the film. When Rob Reiner showed it to him, when they showed it to him, he he said, "I need a few minutes," and he walked out, and he came back. And he said it was his favorite movie that had been made of his work. But he he felt he it was one of those moments where he regretted some, uh, how he wrote it because Chris actually held, holds the gun in the book, I guess. Okay, and I he, didn't know that. He, and he thought yeah, it was better. 
uh, that Gordy was holding it. It does make more sense. Yeah. I think we as an audience are made... Well, obviously, Gordy's the main character. And I think we're meant to care about Gordy's plight because we don't know... We ain't got any backstory on anybody else. So I think we're supposed to follow Gordy. And one thing you got to remember, too, is like it's it's not a super big book. No, right. it's a novel. Yeah. It's it's like 190 pages or 192 pages or something like that. It's, yep. it's, it's short. It's, it's not a short story, but... You would have to, I guess, add more in as you're as you're adapting the screenplay to it. That was not there. Talk about heavy hitter. I believe it's in the same book. It's got four different books in it, different seasons, and one of the other books is Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Oh, really? That's yeah. crazy. Like about that. that is an, that is some output right there, boy. Um, let's talk about King real quick. He is so good at taking an idea and just taking it to the absolute nth degree. You think it's bad, and then it gets worse. Mm-hmm. I call upon Shawshank Redemption when Tim Robbins goes into the first pipe and it's just claustrophobic and then he goes to the next pipe and it's a sewer pipe. Like you think the first one's bad enough and then you go to the next level of terrible and you cannot, it has to me has no bearing on the story and I don't know why you put it in there. So mm-hmm. it's just a King thing. That blueberry pie eating contest is crazy. It's got nothing to do with the story. It's just that Will can weave a good tale you think it's bad because it's it's a revenge thing, and you think just him throwing up would be bad, but then it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And I love the fact that Corey Feldman, at the end, when they're telling the story in the round, and he goes, so that's it? Like, everybody said, well, it's a good story, but that's not how I would write the end of it. And it's just almost like Stephen King saying, see? <laughs> See, yeah. like you guys never happy with what I write. It's 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 kind of like like he's like a fan, like he's a fanboy. Like, well, it was good, but then it kind of sucked. I think some of the best things that he's ever done is like some of the shorter stories too. Sure, absolutely, yeah. Because love uh, the long walk. Long walk's very good, and, and that's that would be. An, I don't think they ever made that into a movie, but I think that's nowadays that would be a very intense movie if they ever did that. It would be. Uh, it would be kind of. Uh, uh, Hunger Games esque, right? Kids Very having to much. do something. See the thing, and, and to your point, Sean, we'll talk about King for a second. Is that he writes? He, I read his book on writing, and his, to him for writing, he wakes up. It, for him, it's work. He goes. He writes from nine to noon. He takes a one hour lunch. He writes from one to four, and then he goes home. And he doesn't mm-hmm. write in his home. He has an office that he goes to in Maine or wherever he lives in Florida now. But he goes out of his house. Writes for three hours, has lunch, goes for a walk, comes back, writes for... And he doesn't... All he does is he sits down and he types. It's crazy. He does not plan. He types. So that's why some of his books are way too freaking long. Because he's just typing. Whereas the short stories, I think, have... He, like, kind of brings himself in. But the bottom line here, and I want to... we got to talk about the pie-eating contest. um, Which, again, has no bearing on the story. When I saw that as a kid... I would fast forward it because I thought it was that gross. The human, yeah. the human, like I thought it was real gross, and I just didn't want to see. Like I had this thing about then you, you know, I had this thing about seeing people throw up, and then you go to college and you see a lot of people throw up, <laughs> and then yeah. and then you have kids and you watch your kids throw up a lot. <laughs> so it, just whatever. But now I watch it, guys. How fake is the throw up? Oh, you listen. Can, you can see the tube. Like, it doesn't even match up with the mouth. Yeah, well, I didn't bad. notice. It's so bad. It's not good. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like, I can't believe I was ever like, like, I never noticed that. How did I but not notice? But again, you're thinking like, uh, I'm 45. So when I first saw this, I was like probably 12-ish. I yeah. didn't see when it first came out. You're not in tune to that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
now we are. Mm-hmm. Like like when you watch the Wizard of Oz, you see the the, the supposed person that hangs themselves in, in the in the back in the one scene of the movie. Like, yeah. did it really happen? Yeah. No, yeah, they yeah. they pointed yeah. out uh, something else. Like it was just like a stagehand like or a something. Yeah, <laughs> like somebody yeah doing something. Yeah, but that that also comes with with time too. Like I, I agree with you. When I first saw that that scene, I was like, whoa! I have never thrown up like this in my entire life. Yeah. Like this this kid is really sick and now of course me being the big guy is like wow if i drink castor oil am i gonna puke like that too as a kid like i, yeah. I was like worried about that kind of stuff like, i it was such a weird weird scene and this really was. and then there's my dad going my your my grandmother or your your grandmother my mother used to give us castor oil with every meal like a Ooh. teaspoon just for like digestion but that you know that's like the 40s and 50s and stuff yeah like, well you know what if you if you saw it a month ago uh I didn't need to see that same scene uh, yesterday. <laughs> I was like, this has nothing to do with this. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> I'm skipping this uh, next couple of minutes. All right, goodbye. Yep. Because it wasn't necessary. And it was like, why do I the hell do I want to watch this again? Like, you know, that mm-hmm. part. Was, we, we had eight bourbons after our show last night. Let me tell you, we almost recreated that scene. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, and, and and the kid that they made to look big, it was so obviously the pillow. padding. There's a giant like It was pillow. obviously padding. There's a pillow like, under his shirt. Yeah, you could see it. Yeah, I'm like, again, it, it never dawned on me how, like, again, I'm not bagging on it. It's a great scene. Um, and it goes to show, like, Gordy's uh, talents. But but anyway, so the the whole movie for me, if I if I had to say it, like, it's just, it's an allegory, right? It's a, It's a trail. It's, it's coming of age. There's so many little things of symbolism in it. I mean, the train itself is symbolic, right? It's the future is coming for you. You better get moving kind of thing, or it's going to run you down. You can either get in front of it or you can get, be brave. You know, Vern isn't brave, doesn't want to get into the future, but you're going to have to, or the train is going to mow you down. Um, the body is an allegory for, you know, sadness for the things that you don't want to face. There was just so, and, and those kids, man, what I couldn't get over, not get over, but what I didn't see the first time is kids that are 12 and 13 or whatever, thinking that this is what adults do, doing what they think are adult things, smoking and like cursing and talking about. So think about it, talking about the development of Annette on Mickey Mouse Club. That like that is it. That is ex- absolutely in a nutshell, 12, 13 to 14 year olds, boys talking about the development of, of the female cleavage on the Mickey Mouse Club. Like, that's <laughs> right. what I'm saying. Like, you're not a grown-up. Like, you think yeah. that's like, you know, well, and then the next conversation was, your favorite your favorite food is Pez, hands down. Like, come on. I mean, that's not what we talk about. But it, yeah. to them, it is. Fast forward 60 years later, and we're watching, like, 18-year-old girls twerking their assholes on TikTok. <laughs> and, and 12-year-olds are watching this shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it really was just a simpler time. You yeah, know, and it, when, you, when you look at it, it's only a ge- two generations ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's actually when you watch it now, it's kind of like, all right, this is actually a nice way to live. All right, I think it's a it's a nice way to live, and and, and we're we're jumping forward. I think a little bit. We're talking whatever. about whatever. Oh yeah, no, we don't always up. have to go like specifics. Yeah, whatever. It's, uh, it, the movie does not hold up at all. Yeah, all right. It, it in the least bit and i hate saying that because i think that uh generationally kids now would watch it and have no idea what's going on 
Okay. No idea what's going on. Like why okay, why are why are these guys driving these big ass convertible cars? Mm-hmm. Okay, because you don't see a lot of convertibles nowadays too. No. Why what is this radio that they're listening to music to? Mm-hmm. You, you know, oh my God, why are they collecting change? Don't they have a debit card? No. Like I, I that's the kind of things that I can envision like if I'm watching it with like like my twelve year old cousin. I just went to a, a Devils game with him, right? And he's so innocent. Like, he's a young, innocent 12-year-old kid. But I could see him watching this and, like, being completely bored and start playing Fortnite or something like that. You know, because it's not... It's Yeah, it's just a very... Even though it's it's based 30 years before it was released. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's 59, it was 80, so figure 30 years or so. Even then, like, I can see there was still little glimpses of innocence in our youth. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, so sure. I think that's kind of why we gravitated towards that movie and understood a little more. Because I, I mean, look, when I was twelve years old, it was nineteen eighty-eight, so I was still go outside and play until the streetlights went out, and mm-hmm. then I knew that that was my time to come home. Mm-hmm. Kids that were twelve years old now are not leaving their house; they're vitamin D deficient because they're on iPads and phones all day long. We mm-hmm. didn't have cell phones back then, but we had more than those kids did. Like I talk, about, I talk about this on stage, like I'll see like a young, you know, 20 or 22. And I'm like, you have no idea how good you have it. Mm-hmm. Because like say if you're out and you hear a song, you take your phone and you mm-hmm. hit an app mm-hmm. and it records what you're listening to. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then automatically you have that song. When I was 12, if I heard a song. I'd be like, oh, my God, I love this song. I have to sit next to my tape deck Mm -hmm. with the radio on, with my finger on the pause button, Mm -hmm. waiting to record that song. And it may not come on for three hours later. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a huge generational uh, gap every 10 or 12 years. Yeah. Where things just completely evolve. Maybe it's more about, like, you got to work for it, right? Like, everything's kind of like, now you got to work for it. That's a great point, yeah, yeah, because everything is so readily accessible mm-hmm. nowadays. But in 1988, you still had to work for it. In mm-hmm. 1959, you didn't know what the hell was going on. Yeah. It was, it was, you you know, informationally, like, you you listened to Walter Cronkite, and that was the only person in the world <laughs> whose opinion mattered, yeah. you know? And then you go into the 80s, and you, now you're seeing television. Now, it's like... You know, every fucking greeter at Walmart is a, a scientist who has COVID knowledge. You know what I mean? So it's, <laughs> it's fucking horrible. Hey, he, it, they did their own research. Yes. On Facebook. Uh, yes. yes. I did my own research. I know, I know that you have a doctorate, but I yes. did my own research. <laughs> yes. I mean, if you really want to supersize your fries, or do you want to know about like socioeconomic development in post-communist Russia? Nah, like, yeah. you're talking about that working at McDonald's. I'm sorry, yeah, but fries are so good. All right, um, oh. so, all right, uh, Jay, mm-hmm. should, do we want to hit the theme music? Yeah, well, it's it, it's right. here. Right? Let's hit it. It's time now for final judgment. Are you ready to rubber stamp this bitch? Here's the final judgment. Yeah. Well, it looks like Sean already kind of rubber stamped it on his end. <laughs> yeah. Something on it a little bit, but I was I was biting my tongue with that. And I, I hate it. I hate the fact that like I don't, I feel that way because it is a very pivotal movie for me. And okay. you know, cuz I had like the best friend like that that we would 
do everything with. And, you know, there was groups of us and things. And we had the older kids who were dickheads who lived around the corner from me, yep. you know, and who would steal our playboys that we stole from our, mm-hmm. our cool uncles or our cousins or whatever. They would steal all that and shit. And hide them in the woods. Oh, I was just going to say that, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you put that stuff. Deep in the woods yeah. in a tree trunk. And every now and then, there'd be a new one. <laughs> I had a huge park directly across the street from my house where we used to hide all our shit. It was an old um, Civil War battleground. And there was still, like, cannons there that were, like, obviously, like, shellacked or lacquered in. You couldn't move them. But we would hide everything in those goddamn cannons. Like, if we <laughs> found a pack of cigarettes, we'd stuff them in there. If we yeah. found a play, we'd stuff them in there, too. It's weird how I don't think it holds up anymore. There's still some cool movies from the 80s that I think held up. Yeah. I One thing I am glad is that they did not remake this movie. Sure. Because there's some movies that are remade that I think are just abominations Mm -hmm. and as a writer myself i say to myself they can't come up with anything except to remake planes trains and automobiles which they are yeah and they're they're doing it with will smith and kevin hart oh are you shitting me no that's the cast it's will smith and kevin hart and like you can't oh like first of all there's no (laughs) kevin hart can't play the john candy no uh, funny guy. No, he's too you know, sweet. He's too, yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, the one thing I do love is they didn't remake the movie, but right. ultimately it doesn't, it doesn't hold up. Well, I, I okay. love the um, score, by the way. It's great. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, like sure. in addition to the, the fifties uh, tunes, I loved, it was obviously a play on the song, the, but it was just, mm-hmm. it was really done well. Like it, it fit the mood. First baseline I ever learned. Oh yeah. Stand by me. Nice. That was a fr- I figured it out by my, by myself. So, Sean, before I give you whether I think it holds up, let me ask you. In this day and age, so you said, you know, we all had the, the like the older kid dickheads down the street that would try to beat us up or whatever because we were younger and that's just because we were younger. No right. other reason, really. And I had that, too. So would you rather be beaten up by an older dickhead down the street or would you rather have your life ruined on social media um, by a bunch of like thousands of strangers? Oh, well, I know I'd my rather, answer. I'd rather get beat up any day of the week. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, like I have to, you know, I, I use social media because I have to. Do I like it? I, I fucking despise it. Mm-hmm. I, I think it, I think it's the worst thing in the world right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's corrupting people. I think it's I think it's aging children before mm-hmm. they, they need to be. Mm-hmm. I think it makes people's opinion. Uh, for, people Matter. don't need to hear. People yep. don't need to voice everything. Nope. I, I, I talked to a friend the other day and they were like, you know, oh, I don't like to be in the, in the forefront. I'm like, you post 14 times a fucking day. <laughs> like, hey, I took a shit. And they're posting. <laughs> hey, you know, here's, my, here's, my, here's my Wendy's. And they po- like, don't. The, no one needs to know everything about everything. There's no mystery anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I think about that movie is that that's a simpler time. Mm-hmm. And as you go forward to when we grew up, it was starting to get a little more uh, in depth with things that you can see. And, and you know, like mm-hmm. I can remember being a kid and my mom bought me Encyclopedia Britannica. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had like 28 like gigantic volumes of encyclopedia. Yeah. And a mere 40 years later, it's right there. Right. Yeah. Everything you need is right there. Yeah. My whole life is in this thing. Mm hmm. Is it a good thing? No, it's yeah. really not. Is it convenient? Absolutely. Sure. 
but you got to work. Sometimes you got to work for things, and that's kind of what the whole story about that movie is: is that yeah. they worked to find that. Body. To mm-hmm. uh, go along with what you're talking about, it's like twofold. I love being able to access a movie so quickly if I want, or, or a TV show. I love that uh, that you can just pull it up and there it is. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I could get rid of it because it's so damn comfortable. But yeah, we also lose some of that uh, stuff that we had when we were kids when a movie was coming on tonight at 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And right. we got to wait for it. And not only did we wait for it, we got to watch that like awesome HBO like theme that like comes in like you know like it was shit that set you up mm-hmm. for like which mm-hmm. made the movie almost better. Like you know this fucking theme is so fun. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And then by the time I get yeah. to the movie, I'm like on cloud nine. Uh, so I mean you know or you know like we we were talking about the Christmas specials uh, around Christmas time. At yeah. you watched it, that was it. If you missed yeah. next year. We gotta wait another year until Rudolph comes on. I, I, I think that's why that like our generation is the last great generation. Mm-hmm. And I've said this a bunch of times on stage and and just in conversations because we appreciate the stuff from our youth and we appreciate uh, the simplicity, but we also are kind of integrated into the the this new generation. But mm-hmm. we also can easily go back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To the other, like, like I'm a yep. huge music fanatic. I have eight guitars over here. I've got 800 vinyl upstairs. Nice. Like I love the fact that I have 35,000 songs on this phone. Mm-hmm. But I also love the fact that I can go upstairs and open up the record, like mm-hmm. I did when I was 13. Mm-hmm. Smell the record. You can smell everything. You pull out the liner notes. You're reading the the lyrics while you're while you're listening to the song. Even books. Like I I physically cannot buy a Kindle. Oh yeah, I won't. No, I can't. I have to. I have to own the hard copy of the book. I have to read the liner notes. I have to smell the paper. Like Mm -hmm. that's the things that that generationally they're not they're missing out on. Yep. Some kids are lucky because like their parents might be teaching them well. Like you know what I mean to appreciate some of the old stuff. You know. um, Yeah. Like my my daughter loves the eighties. You know, my son's you know sort of picking up on it too. So. Some parents at least are trying. Like, so, like, it, it mm-hmm. obviously, like, you yeah. know, the, the, the parents that are our age. Like, I saw a, a five year old kid at this final Slayer show in New York <laughs> City. Like, a five year old's never going to know who Slayer is unless their awesome fucking parent is telling them who it is. <laughs> and that they all rain in blood. Right. Uh, I would say, I, I, I'd like to make my point on whether it holds sure. up. Uh, and it, it actually dovetails into what you guys just said, I think, in that. Social media is, is like everything else. It's a, it's a real good idea, but if it's done the wrong way, it's shit. You know what I mean? So it's a real, it's a, it, the onset, the idea is dandy, but then you put it into it in the hands of people that cannot, con, that don't have the responsibility to control. It becomes terrible and becomes this thing. And because of that, for what you were saying before and what you were saying, Jay, the HBO thing, like you waited for something, everything was an appointment, right? So movies were a mystery, going back to what you said. Now, the movie industry is counting on the first two weeks, right? Because after that, people either aren't going to go see the movie or they're going to know about all the secrets. So they're making movies that are only geared for the first two weeks of release, and then they're expecting everything to drop off. So then movies have to be 
these big spectacles, right? Yep. Right? So they have to be that. So now you're getting the... And I have no problem with big spectacle movies. Don't get me wrong. Movies are movies, whatever. But the fact of the matter is, like, it's not going to last. And that's to my point, is that Stand By Me doesn't hold up. Not because I think kids wouldn't get it. I think kids would recognize... I'm, I'm agreeing with you, but I'm going a different way with it. I think kids nowadays realize that it's not the same era, right? They'd probably be bored with it, but it's not the same era. I just, you know, it's obviously the 50s. They didn't have all that stuff. They recognize that. But I think a movie, this doesn't hold up because you couldn't release this movie today. No one wants to see a 90-minute allegory, even though it's True. great. Like, it's written really well, but no one, it's, and now, there's no real plot in the movie. It's, I'm, we're going to go find the body, and then it's a coming-of-age deal, and we learn about our characters uh, uh, along the way, episodically, but there's no story to tie anything. So this is literally like you could only put this on Netflix streaming and say, "Hey, here's this thing that you should watch." Like no one's gonna release this movie. Yeah, I get it's, that. They're not because no one's gonna see it, and that's kind of too bad because that's the way the tastes have gone. Whereas back in the day, this movie probably I think it did pretty well. Um, <laughs> I know a lot of people rented it. Yeah, like fifty six million made in the box office. So yeah, I didn't know the number, but I mean. But I don't think it holds up because you just can't release the movie today. No one wants to see it. It is a tad boring. Yeah, like I, I, it's a tad I, boring. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that's bad. It's not because it doesn't. There's nothing to make it super exciting because that's not the kind of movie it is. But yeah, boy, it. Like, like you can't release it, and that's too bad. So I don't think it holds up for that. Hey, what's up? Can I interject? Yeah, what's up? Kids are also a lot more mature today. Yeah, that's what he was saying. Then. Back in the 80s. Yeah, there's no mystery anymore. Like, Ooh. the kids are not mature these... Well, they're over-mature because of social media. Yeah, that's what Sean was saying. This is my wife, everybody. Hi, hey. wife. That's Joanne. Hello. All right, that's fine. She hurt mm-hmm. me. All right, so anyhow. Jason. Yeah. All right, just to uh, break it up a little bit, um, I think it kind of does in, in some ways. It, first off, it's, it's easier for a period piece to hold up because nothing... Uh, dates it as far as like you're not saying oh look at the 80s look at the look at the ray-bans and the the neon and the the don johnson uh jacket and stuff like that you know uh i also have another angle is that a i just spoke to a friend of mine who i said we're doing stand by me and she said her younger daughter which like i don't know was still a teenager sat with her and watched it and that was the only one that she sat and watched like more so throughout the whole thing than other films so there i think there could be some that might tune in and stay i'm not saying they're going to seek it out but if the right people sit with them and show them uh they might they might enjoy Mm -hmm. it let's put it this way i've brought up this movie before you and i and 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 sean we don't know anybody that acts the way that jimmy stewart acts in the movie it's a wonderful life or his friends like have you seen it's a wonderful life sean yeah okay like, do you ever meet anybody that goes, eeyaw, eeyaw, no. <laughs> right? Like, there's nothing yeah, relatable. The generational thing. Right, right. But yeah. we still can, like, get the main uh, point, like, you know, like, that we can still feel sure. amazing or, you know, really hurt when he when he's hurting. So, I mean, I can't relate at all to, like, the, the way they behave or the way um, they are living because, like, you know, that seems so foreign. But... You know, if you can get past that, you can get the the overall uh, emotions, which, by the way, each and every actor 
emoted very well. Like, you know what I mean? Where you got to feel oh, yeah. those feelings. When does River Phoenix die? Uh, he was 23 years old, and I think it was like 93. Okay. Something Just like weird. 90s. Right, it was right, early right. 90s for sure. Um, okay. Just curious. It's sad right. because he was a good actor. He was. Yeah. Certainly. I got to tell you, I, I've had this debate too. I don't know that his brother is as big of a star as he is if River doesn't die. Oh, you can make that argument. You know, you I mean, he's a weird argument. actor. He's a very, mm-hmm. very weird actor, but I don't think he goes to the forefront as much as I think River would have been on the same level as DiCaprio. I think he was yeah. Super, yeah. super talented and it was just a, a, mm-hmm. a real waste of, of what happened to him. Awful. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, so. it was a speedball, apparently. Mm-hmm. Good times. Nothing yeah. like a bunch of speed <laughs> yeah. and this, coke. This, all uh, at the same this time. This podcast was brought to you by Speedball. <laughs> like, like, don't, do um, don't do it. Don't do it. Bad news. All right. <laughs> Paid cool. for in full. Uh, and we don't have, we don't make any money, see? Um, no. <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, Sean, uh, tell people how you, how they can uh, listen to you. Yes, yeah, so we got a cool podcast called Who's Your Band? What we do is we interview uh, musicians, actors, celebrities uh, about their favorite band growing up. And we kind of dissect that band. And nine times out of ten, the entire show, we never mentioned fucking music at all. So, which is kind of like, <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. But it's, it's a cool concept. And we... Uh, you can get it on YouTube, Spotify, uh, Apple Music, iTunes. We're actually moving to a new platform called Rock Rage Radio, which is going to hit about 20 to 25 million uh, listeners a month. So it's kind cool. of a cool thing for us. Uh, nice. Yeah, it's all over the place. And if you get you know, want to hear some stand-up comedy, just go on Facebook and look up my name, Sean Morton. Awesome. Man. I can dig it. Thank you so Excellent. much for joining us. That was fun. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah, it was great. Fun time. All right, man. Uh, uh, next week, uh, actually, Chris, uh, it's going to be either yes. you and I, or it's also maybe what, uh, maybe Steve or somebody. The person that we were originally with is uh, they canceled, and because okay. uh, they, you know, they ended up getting like a, an agent or something. <laughs> it's pretty cool. All right then. Um, I know. I hope to one day have that problem. I know. Uh, cool. So, but uh, we're going to be doing the final countdown movie, uh, the one that about the. Um, yeah, not about Europe. <laughs> I know. Not about the band Europe uh, from it's, 1980. Uh, Philadelphia, yeah, Philadelphia experiment with with an aircraft carrier, right? Yeah. So, all right. Uh, take care, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Boom, cricket, about movies.